coming up on this episode of This Is Woman's Work. I'm going to give first. Like, if you go into networking with the idea that you're going to meet people with the hope of helping them first, I think it takes some of that pressure off of you feeling like you're going to be rejected. I am Nicole Khalil, your host of the This Is Woman's Work podcast, and I have a confession to make. I've spent my entire career avoiding networking like the plague. It literally makes me anxious. I am absolutely an introvert, and so the idea of going into a room with all new people and having small talk, like I really suck at small talk. It is not a skill. Having awkward conversations and wanting to turn those conversations into business opportunities, but kind of trying to pretend that I'm not trying to do that, it all just makes me feel like uh, super uncomfortable. So I know networking is important, but I've always had a hard time with the concept. I've come to learn there are a lot of different ways to network, but it's like I have battle scars and flashbacks of hotel conference rooms, name tags, and hoping somebody will talk to me. So, okay, I've confessed, and now I'm ready to be redeemed. I've asked Julie Brown, networking coach, business development strategist, speaker, author of the book, This Shit Works, A No-Nonsense Guide to Networking, and now fellow podcaster to join us to share how we can all be better at networking and relationship building. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. I literally feel like you might be saving me right now. <laughs> sounds like it. Oh, everything you said about networking. I was like, oh no, it's not true. It's not true. <laughs> I it's I know it's kind of an old school way we used to do it. Um, you know, I think like 20 years ago or, or whatever, but uh, it still stuck with me. So talk to us about what networking and relationship building means to you. Cause I'm quite certain it's not what I just said. Yeah. If I think back to when I first started my career, I don't think I understood networking the way I've, the lens through which I see it now. And I, I looked at it the way you looked at it. Like I have to go into this room. I have to try to sell my, sell my business. Well, it wasn't mine. I was you know, working for another company. You know, what if they don't like me? You know, what if I don't talk correctly? What if I can't create a conversation and we just stare at each other? And then I realized that networking is all about humans going into a room and having a conversation and learning more about each other. And I always say that if you can pull away from the conversation about how are you and what do you do, which are really low dopamine inducing questions, the lowest dopamine inducing question is what do you do? Like nobody wants to answer that even when they're at a networking event, which is all about work. So I teach people that you need to connect with people in a 360-degree fashion. We are all three-dimensional people with big, messy lives, and we have hobbies, and we do things in our spare time, and we have families. And when you go into an event and all you say is, what do you do? It's just you're carving out such a narrow sliver of connecting with that person. Mm -hmm. And we all know, I mean, it's it's a fact. People do business with and refer business to people they know, like, and trust. So I try to teach people how to build 
know, like, and trust within the relationships that they create through networking. I love that distinction. And you, I, when you said that, it, it hit me so hard. I hate when people ask me what I do, mm-hmm. let alone going and asking somebody else. So can you give maybe some examples of better questions to ask? I mean, I don't want to get too tactical too fast, but are there any high dopamine yes, inducing okay. questions? So here's here's the thing. In my book, I talk about this approach that I created called the list yourself approach. And the list yourself approach is just a way of cataloging all of the things that make you, you, who you are in this world and what you like to do with it in it. And so if I was going to rattle off the top of my head, my, my list would be, okay, I'm a wife, I'm a dog mom, I'm a world traveler. I'm a, (laughs) I am a big wine snob. I love, (laughs) yeah. I I knew I I liked you. (laughs) (laughs) And then once I went on this horrible carb-free diet and then I realized that tequila is carb-free and then I became a tequila snob. And then I'm a, I'm a skier, but I didn't learn how to ski till I was 40. I'm a mountain biker. I'm an avid podcast listener. Anything like, listen, all I listen to for podcasts that aren't business is true crime. Like that's my jam. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Oh, oh, we'll have to compare afterwards. Oh my gosh. I if I wasn't doing what I was what I'm doing, I would be a detective. Like Oh that's my god, me too. My lo- yeah. said, what did you want to be when you grew up? I was like, well, I wanted to be part of the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. And if that didn't work out, I wanted to be a joke. If that didn't work out, I wanted to be a detective. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I, Nancy Drew from like the earliest ages, I would, yeah. Anyways. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. I derailed us. (laughs) No, it was not. It was the perfect tangent because this list yourself approach is how you develop dopamine inducing questions. And what happened between us when you were like, oh yeah, my God, me too. Oh my true crime. Like that was when dopamine spiked in our brains. Like dopamine inducing questions are things where you ask questions in which the person wants to respond. It elicits an energetic response. So where have your favorite places been to travel? Like, what do you like to listen to? What books do you like to read? Like things that people want to respond to and like are energetic in their response. So it's exactly what happened between you and me in that conversation is you can do that in a networking event. And that is also how you mentioned you're an introvert in, in your opening. That is also how introverts can have hugely dynamic and charismatic conversations just by asking the right questions. Yeah. I I mean, I, I love how you didn't just say it, but you basically demonstrated it beautifully because that's, I did, I got excited. Um, and I would the we should talk offline about like the, it already sets up a potential future conversation in a relationship yeah. and there was yeah so this the list yourself approach followed by dopamine inducing conversations is what leads to the most important part of networking which is follow up and it it doesn't make any sense to meet somebody whether you meet somebody at an event or whether you're on an online networking event it makes absolutely no sense to invest time in an event meet somebody have a conversation and not have a plan for following up and dopamine inducing questions and conversations give you the easiest path to follow up where 
right after this, if we were at an event and we had that conversation, when I got back to my computer, I could say, Nicole, it was so amazing meeting you. These are my favorite true crime podcasts. Like, let's compare notes, blah, blah, blah. And that that's an email that you want to respond to. So you respond to me and then that's it. We are in a cadence of responding back and forth to each other. And we are building that relationship over something we have in common. And once we have something in common, we're going to want to do business together. So, and again, I'm kind of going tactical, but is there any general rules of thumb or advice on when to transition this relationship building conversation into business. Cause I know sometimes I can think back where I would build relationship with people, but then I'd be like, God, now it's going to be weird for me to bring up business or they might think, Oh, that's what this was all about all along. Right. Mm-hmm. So a couple of thoughts on that. Number one is you have to have respect for how long it takes for a relationship to incubate, for how long that person will take to get to know, like, and trust and want to work with you or want to refer you. And generally speaking, the statistics around that are that you have to have five solid interactions with the other person, mostly, you know, before COVID, I would say mostly face-to-face, You have to have at least five solid interactions with somebody. And generally speaking, people give up around the fourth interaction because they are keeping score. You know, they're like, okay, I did this and then I did this and then I did this and I haven't gotten anything yet. Where you're just never going to win if you keep score. So after about the fifth interaction with a potential client, is when you should have invested enough in that relationship where you have displayed integrity and trust and you've helped that person, you've been an avenue for information for them or made connections for them. After that is when I feel you are capable of saying, I really like you. I really want to work with you. How can we find a way to work together? And it doesn't mean you're going to work with that person you know, back and forth, they could have, you know, they could refer you to someone or they could say, I think someone, this person in my network could use your services. So it doesn't mean you're going to work with that person. It just means that they're at, at the point where they might be able to refer you to someone who could use your services. But that's about the rule of thumb is you have to have at least five solid interactions before a person will determine whether or not they would use your services or refer your services. Mm -hmm. And it's fair to say that people will, I I like the rule of thumb that speaks to me, but it's fair to say that people know, like, and trust people at different stages. Like I'm guessing there are some people that, you know, they feel good about turning into business after one or two interactions. And then there's some people that might take 10. And so a little bit of trusting your gut And we as women tend to be better at relationship building than our male counterparts, I think. Um, So is there an element of trusting your gut? Yes. You know, in my book, I have a chapter and I, um, it's all, I equate building a relationship to planting a garden because I love to garden. And I talk about, you know, in your garden, there are some 
vegetables that grow, come to fruition like in 30 days. And there's some that take 90 days. And, but you treat them all the same way. You give them proper soil and sunlight and water and you take care of them. And as they grow above ground, their roots also grow below ground. So you're like really strengthening your connection with that person. And it's, it's hard without, okay, here's my big tomato. I can now ask for something without like a visual saying of this relationship. It is a gut thing. Gut your gut check yourself. Have I displayed integrity in this relationship? Have I given first? Have I been a good ally to this person? Um, Have I had their best interest at heart in reaching out to them? Like, Got you check yourself first before you ask. That's what mm-hmm. I would say. I love that. And if any of the women that I've coached or done presentations with are listening, they're going to be giggling because I use the gardening analogy as well as it relates to asking for referrals and prospecting and letting people know that you know you build your business that way or you'd appreciate introductions. Um, so that totally resonated with me. And I'm also so glad it's not another sports analogy, which (laughs) I've heard a lot in male-dominated industries. Okay. So I know fear of rejection plays a part for a lot of people as it relates to networking and relationship Mm -hmm. building. What are your thoughts there? I think fear of rejection is a human condition. Every human wants to be accepted. And when you are networking, You think you are going into a space to say, I need something. I need somebody to use my business. I'm trying to sell my services. Where if you look at it from the process, if you look at it from the lens of, I'm offering a service that could help somebody. I just need to find the person who my services help, you know, or I have something to offer somebody. I'm going to give first. Like if you go into networking with the idea that you're going to meet people with the hope of helping them first, I think it takes some of that pressure off of you feeling like you're going to be rejected because it's not like you're asking for something right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. We are never going to not be afraid of rejection. I mean, we, I, this could be, 10,000 podcasts on like the fear of rejection. We're never as humans going to get over our fear of rejection and our need to be accepted. But if you go in first saying, I have something to offer, my services could be of help to somebody. I need to find the right way in which I can help other people. If you just flip the script on it a little bit, Mm -hmm. that's when it will help you not feel that fear of rejection. But also, no, if you're going into a networking event, Everybody is going into that networking event is going to that networking event for a reason to meet other people. So it's not like you're going into a networking event doing something completely different than everybody else in that networking event is doing. They're all there to meet other people. Yeah, that two really important points when you go to a networking event or go on like LinkedIn or or networking sites, that's what everybody is there to do, right? So at least in theory, that should reduce our anxiety and, and and any awkwardness because we're all there for the same reasons, and that is to network or relationship build. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the shift in perspective when you're networking to 
how do I introduce myself to people to find the people I can help, right? Because you can't help everybody. You're not for everybody and everybody's not for you. But if you're coming from that place, you know, it's less about rejection or personal rejection. And it's more. You're not for everybody. So you're not for everybody. Not everybody in that room is going to be a potential client for you. But what you need to understand about every single person in that room is every single person in that room has an ability to refer you to someone else. So. I always tell people that I wish we could go into events without any name tags or company names because people start getting an idea of other people's value of them for that person. Like, oh, I, that, that person can't do anything for me. Oh, that person's not in my you know, field. Like that, I feel, is a huge misguidance. There is this idea that everybody has a sphere of influence of 250 people, which is like everybody knows about 250 people and our opinions carry weight with those 250 people. So if you go into a room and you meet somebody and you say, well, they're never going to be a client, you are automatically disregarding the 250 people with which their opinion carries weight. Mm -hmm. So I always say there's no wrong people to network with. There's no people that are like, oh, they're not in my in my field or they can't help me. That is where so many people, they trip up with networking because they start assigning value to people in their roles. And I think part of the reason why I've been so successful with networking is I always saw everybody as a person that I wanted to build a relationship with, that I wanted to help, and that I also wanted to have access to their sphere of influence. So well said. I, I Every part of that resonates with and speaks to me. So we talked a lot about walking into a room. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with everything going on right now, uh, it's maybe not as easy to do that. How can we shift to networking and building relationships in a virtual environment? Sure. So there are so many events right now online. Most of the organizations, I would say first, you should belong to some organizations. Somewhere within your field or your industry, you should have a membership to at least one or two organizations, networking organizations. And all of those organizations have transferred their events to online events. And they're getting really nimble and really good at making sure that all of those events have a networking component, either in breakout rooms at the beginning of the event or breakout rooms at the end of the event. They're all getting really good at that. So not being able to go to a physical event is not an excuse for not networking right now. Now is the time to double down on networking because Most of these events that used to cost money are now completely free to you. So make sure that every week you are dedicating a portion of your week, a portion of one day of your week to going into an online networking event. They are just as important as in-person events. And it makes it easier for people because everybody is their names are on their little like Zoom uh, blocks. So you don't have to worry about remembering people's names. You can look at the Zoom invite and know exactly what company they work for. You know, that kind of part has been done for you. Now, 
in those networking events, make sure that you are using your list. You are asking dopamine-inducing questions. You have a notebook beside you for every single event so you can take notes about what you talked about, what other people talked about, writing down everybody's names that is in those Zoom boxes and making sure that you reach out to them the next day to continue whatever conversation you had or didn't have. If you have a conversation with somebody, that's super easy to follow up with an email. If there was somebody in that Zoom event and you didn't get to talk to them, now's your chance to reach out to them and say, we were both in the same event last night and we didn't get to speak. I thought I would try to reach out to you here so we could have a conversation. Like it is so easy in virtual networking events to continue the networking process and the follow-up in the relationship building process. Yeah, that's so good. For people who maybe want to network one-on-one. So let's say they know of somebody or they're mutually connected to somebody and, and at least from the outside looking in, it seems like there would be some good collaborative opportunities or you could help each other or, or, or that type of thing. How, number one, is that a good idea? Uh, number two, how do you go about reaching out to somebody you don't know or maybe you know only know through a connection to ask to do a networking or relationship it's building? Always, it's always a good idea to be proactive about meeting new people. Always. Um. Your network needs to continually be added to. You need to continually be growing your network. So it's always a good idea to reach out and meet new people. Now, if you have somebody you know that you want to connect with and you know somebody in your network is already connected to them, yes, ask for a strategic introduction. There's this thing I talk about in my book called triadic closure. And that is when somebody you don't know You are introduced to somebody you don't know by somebody you do know. And because you have a mutual relationship with somebody else, the progress with which your relationship grows is sped up because you have a mutual friend. Um, So definitely use the power of the strategic introduction. Say, I I know you're connected to this person. Do you know them well enough that you could create a strategic email for, you know, to introduce us to each other? I really, really want to meet this person. And this is why. Make sure that other person knows why you want to have that introduction. That's great. Good. Um, Any mistakes that you see people make in networking or relationship building? Anything just right up front that we should be conscious of to avoid. You know, I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking about how much I miss in-person networking events. And then I was thinking, you know, what I don't miss about in-person networking events is the person who walks up to you. Like if there's a group of people talking and the person that walks up and just hands out their business card. And I wouldn't say it out loud Until maybe now. And now that I've written a book and I feel like an authority figure on networking, I would say, I didn't ask for your business card. (laughs) You know, I I want to at least have a bit of conversation with you before you shove your business card in my face or in my hands. Like, I think that is so rude. And it happens more often than not. I can't believe how much it happens. Um, so that's one of the things that I would say is a no-no for networking. Another thing would be, so I talk a lot about how to remember names in my book. And one thing would be, if you know you've met somebody and you can't remember their name, admit it. 
Like, just say, I know we've met, I know we've met, and I'm, I'm having a complete brain fart right now, and I can't remember your name, and I'm so sorry, and it's embarrassing, but what is your name? Like, that is much better than having a conversation and completely avoiding their name, and then having somebody else walk up to you, and you're like, oh, so have you met this person? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a, a good thing, and, and I'll ask, like, when people ask you a question and you, or you don't know the answer rather than making up an answer, just saying, you know, I would hate to give you an incomplete answer, or I'm not sure about that. Let me look into it and get back to you. Exactly. Or like, there's so many things that I think we try to cover up for where, when we're actually honest and vulnerable, it's much more endearing. Yeah, I know. You know, it's so funny. I was, ha- I was interviewing someone from my podcast yesterday and she kept using this word. And I finally was like, I have a pretty big vocabulary, but I have no idea what that word is. And she was like, oh, yeah, because it's slang. And I was like, I'm so glad that I, I said it. Because then she was like, she went into this whole thing and just, you know, explained what the word meant and everything. And then we got in this whole cultural thing about the word. And I was like, if I just acted like I knew what that word was, we wouldn't have had that conversation. Yeah. So good. Okay. So I, I, I was very upfront that networking is not a, a, a great skill of mine or something that I've felt very comfortable with. What questions should I be asking or anything, any tips that you have for our listeners that I, I just didn't ask the right question to get, to get those tips out? <laughs> you know, I think you asked all the right questions. This is the thing with networking. No one, we're not taught networking in school. We are taught so many things so many things that I don't use in my business to this day. And we are not taught networking. And it is okay if you feel uncomfortable, if you feel like a fish out of water, if you feel like you're not good at it, because these are not skills that we were taught. But like anything else, if you practice it, it's like a muscle memory. Like the more you do it, the better you'll get at it, the easier it will become. The more people you know, the easier networking will be because they'll start making strategic introductions for you. You can't beat yourself up about the fact that you're not a natural networker because nobody is because we weren't taught this. Nobody gets mad at themselves when they pick up a guitar for the first time and they can't play it. You take lessons and you practice and you do it over and over again. And then suddenly it's second nature. So that's what I have to say about that because people are so upset with themselves if they think they're not good at networking. And there's so many people that could be tremendous networkers if they just said, okay, this is a skill I have to learn. Yeah. I I like that. Giving ourselves grace and not expecting us to be somewhere or to be good at something without practice. I, I, I think I know myself and a lot of the women I work with, we have this, you know, perfectionist tendencies. So if we're not good at something right away, then, you know, there must be a problem as opposed to, well, I love your guitar analogy. Of course you're not good at it. You just did it for the first time. Yeah. And perfection is the enemy of done. Yeah. And confidence. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny. We, I had some, uh, stress issues a few years back and I went to see a stress counselor and they diagnosed me with perfectionist OCD. And cause I wouldn't, I would needle something until it was completely right. And it would derail me from a lot of different things. Like I couldn't get past something until it was perfect. So I had to learn that yes, there's black and white, but there's also this gray area and gray area is that's good enough. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I think so many of our listeners can relate to what you just said. I remember I had a professor from Wharton School of Business that I I was in a, a session with him and he was talking about strategic decision making. And, and to make a long story short, he said the best time to make a decision and to move forward is when you're somewhere between 40 to 70% of having the knowledge, the data, the information that you need to make yeah. the decision. And, and so, f- so often people wait way too long and they're trying to get to a hundred percent. And, and just to your point, then, then they don't do anything. Yes. So, I mean, and I think there's been a number of studies about this where if there's a job description and there's 10 points, um, you have to fill these 10 requirements for the job. If a man has five of them, he was like, hey, I'm overqualified. And if a woman has eight of them, she thinks she's underqualified. (laughs) Yeah. And there's been plenty of studies on that. And I... I've heard the the sentence that every day you just have to allow yourself to make massive imperfect actions because otherwise you will just be paralyzed by the fact that everything's not perfect. Yep. Yeah. So good. Um, one question popped into my head. I just, I think it's a quick one, but when you think about joining organizations for the purpose of networking, there's so many options out there. Any advice as to how to narrow it down or how to pick the best organizations for you? So I would spend some time looking at the websites of each of those organizations. What kinds of programs do they offer? What are you going to learn by going to their events? What does their membership look like? This is a big thing for me right now as I record my diversity and inclusion series for my podcast. How diverse is the membership? Does everybody look like me? Am I going to have a very homogenous, you know, experience base um, from the membership? Uh, There's a lot of different things to look at. So I would say, what are the events? What am I going to learn? Who do they have for speakers? What does the membership look like? Is there a diverse group of ideas represented in that membership? Is it an active membership? Do they put on a lot of events where I could actually fill up my networking calendar with their events? Is there opportunity for me to have a committee position within this organization? Is there a possibility that I could actually get on the board of this organization? There's a lot of things to think about that. But those are the those are the four I would do. What are the events? How diverse um, is the is the membership? What can I learn? And then could I advance within that membership? Could I sit on a committee or a board with that membership? That's really helpful. Thank you. Um, to learn more or to follow Julie, uh, you can check out her website, Julie Brown BD. So J U L I E B R O W N B as in boy, D as in dog.com. Uh, or you can follow her on Instagram at Julie Brown underscore BD. And then you can always buy her book, This Shit Works, on Amazon, or check out her newly released podcast, also titled This Shit Works, on any of the podcast platforms that are out there. If you want to dig in more, learn more about networking and relationship building, Julie, thank you so much. I I wrote down so many notes, and I actually feel better about networking right now than I did 31 minutes ago. So um, I really, really appreciate your insight and your tips and, and your energy. Oh, thank you. Everybody can do this. It's, it's not rocket science. It's just 
humans. I always say 100% of your connections are going to be humans. So let's just make it a human connection. And remember, we're all in this together. I love it. Let me close this out by saying, while I may still have a slight allergic reaction to the word networking, I can absolutely get behind relationship building and creating and keeping connections, listening and advocating for other people's businesses and their amazing work, and seeing how I might be able to help people or help the people they know. Honestly, as women, many of us are great at these things and they come naturally, relationship building, gut feeling, authentic conversation, listening, empathy, all those things. And we don't give ourselves enough credit. So I know it's crazy times, but I loved what Julie said. 100% of our potential clients are people and we will always benefit from meeting new people. To join some organizations, reach out to some people, have some mutual connections, help set that up, whatever it takes. Let's all, myself included, get out there and start meeting some new people. And in the illustrious words of our guest, Julie Brown, this shit works. So go get out there or get on some Zoom calls and let's meet some people. And this is Woman's Work. Woman's Work.